glory this is my song praising my savior all the day long perfect submission all is at rest i and my savior am happy and blessed watching and waiting looking above filled with his goodness lost in his love this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long you can be seated well good evening and welcome to the wednesday night uh, prayer service thank you for being here uh, when i was a pastor for many years uh, my favorite time in the church was Wednesday night. I just loved it, and we would do different studies and do different uh, ongoing studies, and uh, it was a prayer time. It was just a sweet, sweet time together. I've always loved Wednesday night. One of the reasons might be that we come together and <clears throat> in the middle of a busy week and stop and just pause and reflect, get our batteries recharged spiritually. And so that's what I want to do tonight is to begin with prayer that we can recharge our batteries and just re reconnect with each other and with our wall with God. So as we begin tonight, let me ask for prayer requests. If you have folks that you want to pray for or things that you want to pray about, we'll take some prayer requests. Anybody? I'm sorry to hear. Pray for that family, yes. Thank you. Unspoken request? If you have an unspoken request, raise your hand. A whole lot of us have unspoken requests tonight. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, amen. Slab Town. I filled in that when George State retired, I filled in there for maybe two months before they got their interim. And so I'm very happy they called a pastor now, Brother Rex. Yeah. So. Is that right? Tell me your dad's name. Bruce, I had, well, I didn't have lunch with him. I had lunch across him Monday or two, Monday, it was Monday, yeah. And he was all bubbly about all that was going on there. Amen. Yeah. Other prayer requests? Certainly we want to pray for our country tonight, for our officials. The Bible says pray for them that are in rule. So let's pray. Let's pray this way. Pray that God would give them discernment between right and wrong. And then pray that God would give them the courage to do what's right. There are honestly people, I think, in our land today who don't distinguish between right and wrong. And then some know right and wrong but don't have the courage to stand on that. So let's pray for our elected officials nationally, statewide, and then local officials 
uh, that same prayer. Pray for our schools. Many of our schools uh, across the country are more like a war zone than a school. And as they gear up, they start back with August the 2nd or something like that. I believe it's August 2nd, yeah. So let's pray for their protection. Pray for their uh, education. Pray for their enlightenment, that they would grow not just intellectually, but would grow in character. Pray for the teachers who have a very hard time. Um, so let's lift all of them. Our administrators, pray for them as well. <clears throat> pray for our the Piedmont Baptist Association, for our state convention, for the Southern Baptist Convention on the national level. Uh, pray for all the people that lead in that endeavor, for our seminaries and colleges. Would you bow with me for just a moment of silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in our prayer time. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that we can pray tonight. Thank you for your word that is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We come into your presence tonight to honor you and praise you for who you are, for your goodness, your mercy, and just for the privilege to be here tonight. Those who are present, those who are in a different building across the street perhaps, those who are watching live streaming, I just pray, Lord, that you would meet the needs of all that are tuned in tonight, here or somewhere else. And Lord, I do lift before you all of these special requests tonight. Those that are suffering from sickness and illness, those that are facing critical decision time in their life, we pray for our leaders, on the local level, on our state level, our national level. We lift before you the boys and girls that will be returning to the classroom in just a few weeks for the teachers and for the administrators. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, make it a good year, successful year in, in their lives. And Lord, I pray for our uh, convention as a whole, for our state convention, for the Piedmont Association. Lord, help us to be faithful to the task of sharing Jesus with the lost world and help us to encourage one another to love each other, to love you, and to love lost people. Now tonight, Lord, make our time profitable as we look into your word, cause it to come alive in our hearts, and help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Tonight, would you find in the Old Testament the book of Deuteronomy? If I were to ask you the first five books of the Bible, some of you maybe could rattle that off. But Deuteronomy is one of the writings of Moses, and it is the end of the five books of Moses. And it's the, it's the dudo, means the second giving of the law. We read about the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, and we come to the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is approaching the end of his life. He understands that. He knows that. And so he calls the people together and reminds them of what God has done and what God will, will do. And he, he prepares them for life after Moses. And he reminds them of the goodness of God. 
Even though Moses is going away, God is there forever. So in chapter 33, at the end of the book, near the end of the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses is talking to the people there, he singles out each and every tribe. Remember there were 12 tribes, or 12 families, key families, tribes in Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, we read about that. And so he talks about each and every tribe with a special blessing, with a special instruction upon each of those tribes. So I want us to read tonight, beginning in verse 24, actually two verses, verse 24 and 25, about what he said to uh, Asher, one of the leaders of the tribes. Verse 24, chapter 33, verse 24. And Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. And let him dip his foot in oil. And thy shoe shall be iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Unusual blessing. It reminds me of Jacob blessing the children of Israel his children but now Moses is doing the same thing but but what he says about the tribe of Asher is a little bit different than what he'd said to the others and I want to talk tonight if I had to give this a title it'd be hard shoes and oily feet hard shoes and oily feet Asher is not as well known as Benjamin or Judah or some of the other tribes, but Asher played an important part in the life of the nation of Israel. And so there are several things that he said, that Moses said in blessing Asher that I want to talk about and apply them to Liberty First Baptist Church and then apply them to our own individual families in our individual lives. And so there are several of them. We'll just sort of jump in there and read about what he said. And of Asher, let Asher be blessed with children. Now there are two ways that I want us to look at that tonight. First, literally he had a lot of children. So in that sense he was blessed. And so he's saying let him have many offspring. Let his descendants go on and on. Let his children be many and be plenteous in our land. We live in a day where uh, Supreme Court has just ruled that, 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 that abortion, Roe v. Wade, go back to the state. They, the Supreme Court did not outlaw abortion. What they said was it'd go back to the states to decide. Since Roe v. Wade was put in place, did you realize that about 60 million children have been aborted? Somebody asked me this week, because of labor shortage. I was talking to a guy who runs a business and he said, we can't get help. And not just his business, across the land, we can't get help. And he said to me, where are the workers? There used to be many and for every job, I have five or six people applying for that job. He said, now we have jobs and we can't get folk to apply. Where are the workers? And I said, we killed them all. An abortion, 60 million of them. 
60 million babies, and think about that, out of that group, how many doctors and lawyers? How many brick masons and electricians? How many dentists? How many teachers? How many preachers? Maybe another Billy Graham would, would have been in that group. But you know what? If those children had have lived and never learned to read and write, they're still important to God. Let Asher have many children. Now let me apply that to you and to me and to the church. My prayer for Liberty First Baptist Church is that God would give you many children in the sense of you seeing the birth into the kingdom of God. I'm praying that God would bless you, that God would anoint you as a church, and you'll see many men and women, boys and girls, come to faith in Christ. Paul talked about being a babe in Christ. So you can be a babe in Christ and be 70 years old. So your biological age has nothing to do with your spiritual age. My prayer is that God would grant it that you would see folk being saved on a regular basis, that you see the baptistry having to be filled uh, constantly, that you would have many converts, many people coming to know Christ through the ministry of Liberty First Baptist Church. I remember very distinctly my first baptismal service pastoring a little church over on highway 183 I was a student at Furman my wife and I had just been married a short while and and uh, the baptistry was full of chairs and all kind of stuff and before I could baptize I had to clean it out and wash it out they had not used it in a very long time apparently but I had several folks that got saved among them was a young guy who was uh probably 12 years old but he was a very small young guy he, he looked he looked younger than he was because of his small size and I'll never forget the first person I baptized is old Bobby <laughs> and, and so my wife was up there she's going to take a picture of that I still have that picture by the way and so I was in the baptistry and and uh, I'd said some things that and I was more nervous than old Bobby was about my first baptist baptism service and I had a block there for old Bobby to stand on because he's kind of short. And I motioned for him to come down. He goes, shook his head no. And I said, he goes, I said, Bobby, come on. He said, no, oh, preacher, that water's over my head. I said, well, I got a block here for you to stand on. Finally got him in there. And the picture that my wife took as I'm baptizing him, as I started to put him under, he jerked and stretched out stiff as a board and his head's under the water and his feet sticking out of the air. It looks like I'm drowning this kid. It honestly does. I've got his head under the water, his feet sticking up. Uh, what an experience. The same kid, by the way, who always had an answer, whether he had the right answer or not, didn't matter. He always had something. We was in Bible school one time. We were studying the Lazarus. And I asked the question, rhetorical question I didn't expect didn't want anybody to answer but I asked this question now he's been raised but he's wrapped up in grave clothes how did Lazarus get out of that tomb boy his hands up like that I tried to ignore him and he kept I said okay how did he said he hopped out so every time I read the story of Lazarus I can see old Lazarus trying to hop out of that tomb same young kid by the way a couple of years later I was out visiting, pulled up in the yard, and he met me at the car door. And he said, guess what, preacher? Mom and daddy's been fussing. I said, they have. He said, yeah. He said, daddy's got a girlfriend, and mama don't like it. Well, I wanted to crank the car up and drive out. That's way above my 
pay grade. I didn't want to have to deal with that. But so I remember that baptismal service. We had a lot of folk get saved at that church. We are having our church, another church, a year, uh, several years later. We were having the steeple painted, and the old guy had painted steeple. I stand there watching. He was way up there, ladder, and did another ladder, and he was up there finished, and he was coming down. And then he on the last ladder coming down to the ground, his name was Billy. I said, Billy, let me ask you a question. What would have happened to you if you had fallen off that ladder while you was up there painting that steeple? He said, whew. He said, that had been bad. He said, I probably got killed. I said, but then what would have happened to you? And he thought for me. He said, don't know. He said, I guess I'd have gone to hell. I said, is that where you want to go? He said, don't know. And right there, we sat down on the grass. I led him to the Lord. He got saved. Got ready to baptize him a week or two later. It was, the water was cold. It seemed like they'd put ice in that thing. The, the heaters and the thing didn't work. And I went in there and, it just took my breath. It took me a minute before I could talk. So he came in there and did the same, took his breath. I baptized him. He came up and he looked at me and he slung his hair. Water went everywhere. And he said, I'm getting out of here, preacher. This water's cold. And up the stairs he went. I have some good experience in baptizing folk, but it never gets old. It's always a great time. My prayer is that you would have those good times when you see boys and girls and teenagers and men and women come to faith in Christ and they're baptized and they're, you welcome them into the family of God and you pray for them. So Moses said to Asher, I want you to have many children. I want for you as a church to have many new converts to Christ. Look at something else he said to him in verse 24. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. Now isn't that kind of a strange thing for him to say I want you to have favor with your brothers I want you to get along with folk so he's praying for favor acceptable means favor and he wants him to be able to not argue and bicker and fight with his cousins and uncles and nephews I want you to get along and have favor with One of the things that is true in most Baptist churches, and I won't say in a lot of Baptist churches, is that because of bickering and arguing and, uh, and, and kind of not being able to get along, lost people look at the church and say, I don't have anything to do with that. I'm not going to that. A church, not in this association, in one with which I am familiar, had just a knockdown drag out one Sunday morning. It got so bad that somebody went to the church office and called the police. They didn't come to blows, but it was back and forth, and somebody thought there might. And so on that Sunday morning, there were two deputy police cars pulled into the parking lot of that church. Folks driving by the road saw the deputy cars there with lights on and all that. Oh, what's going on there? And it became a circus. People stopped to see what was going on. And it seemed like they had more people on the outside stopped to see what was going on than they had inside the building because the word was out that there's a fight going on, literally a fight going on in the church. When there's an argument in the church, the church loses its reputation in the community. 
it loses its name and, it, and the respect of the community. And that particular church, it took them an entire generation before they could ever make an impact on that community once again. And that, that generation had, had passed on and moved on, and a second generation, finally, they were able to make some inroads into that community. You could knock on a door and tell them you're from that church. They say, oh, I don't want to go to this church. They fight over there. No, I don't want to get involved in that. When I was DOM, Director of Missions, in the Chesterfield Baptist Association, we had the Hispanic church there still going strong. Jose Luis was the pastor, still is the pastor there. And uh, Jose came to me one day. He said, Brother Robert, he said, we have an issue in the church that we can't resolve. He said, the church is divided literally 50-50. And they can't decide. But here's what they've all agreed to. They want you to come and you decide. And whatever you say, both sides have said they would agree with. Now, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm telling you, here's a church that, who, who said that we want you to come and be the mediator. You resolve this thing for us. So I went to the church. It was on a, maybe a Wednesday night. Building was filled. That's a small congregation, 40 or 50 at the most, I guess. And so I said to them, I, to this, I said, state the problem as you see it. And they spoke, tell me what they thought the problem was. The other side, I said, you tell me what you think the problem is. And they told me what they thought the problem was. And I said, before I tell you what I think the resolution is, let's look in the scripture and see if we can find something in the Word of God that would speak to that. So God gave me some verses that spoke directly to the issue they were facing. So I said to them, now, after I read those verses, now, according to what the Scriptures, what do you think you should do? And you know, they got it right. They all said, that's what we need to do. And so they agreed when they saw the Word of God, understood the Word of God as it spoke to their issue. They resolved it. And they were not bitter with each other. It's just that they could not agree. He said, I'm praying, my, Moses said to Asher, I want you to be acceptable. I want you to be, I want you to have favor with your brethren, your brethren. My prayer for this church is that you would be, that you would have favor with the people of liberty, with the community around you, with the homes and families that make up within a three-mile radius or five-mile radius. If we just limit it to two-mile radius around where you're sitting now, there are a whole lot of folk who are not in church. Maybe they have been at some point, but they're out of church. They've fallen out of church. So my question is, and I don't know the answer to this, would you have favor with those people? If you went to them and said, we're from First Baptist Church, would they shut the door and say, no, you're not welcome? Or would they say, Come on in, maybe you can help me. I don't know the answer to that, but my prayer is that you would have favor among the people who are here so you can minister to them and reach them. Now, here's the thing. Let me remind you of this. The goal, the purpose, the motive is to build people, not to build a church. To reach them and let God grow them into the people God wants them to be. You minister to them, and by doing so, the church will grow and prosper. If your motive is just to build a great church at the expense of people, you have the wrong motive. 
So he said, Answer, I want you to have favor with the people. There's a third thing he says to them. Verse 24. Let him dip his foot in oil. Oily feet. Now think about what that might would mean. Twofold thing, I think, here. Dip your foot in oil. Uh, did your mama ever give you castor oil? <laughs> did, your, uh, did, did you ever have home remedies? And those old home remedies had some value, or they would not have survived as long as they did. But what does he mean when he said, let Asher dip his foot in oil? A couple of things there. I believe he's talking about... Uh, I believe he's talking about let him be prosperous. Oil could be referring to the oil of the olive groves. Let him be prosperous and all of that. But remember where he lives now when he's writing this. It could be where uh, oil thousands of years later be discovered, uh, petroleum that uh, drives the world market today. He knew, he knew nothing about petroleum. I think he's talking about the oil that came from the olive groves, which it had to do with with wealth and had to do with well-being. Dip your foot in oil. Now let's apply that to you and me. I don't have any olive groves. I don't think anybody in Liberty has any olive groves. I certainly don't have an oil well in my backyard. Uh, old fellow told me the other day, or a couple of weeks ago, he said that uh, he was walking somewhere in a parking lot and lying on the ground was a $100 bill. He picked it up, there was nobody around $100 bill was just laying there. He said, I found that thing laying in the parking. I said, isn't that amazing? That's almost enough to buy you a tank of gas. Well, if we look at where we are today in our climate, in our culture, in our world, what Liberty First Baptist Church needs is not an oil well or an olive grove. We need the oil of the Spirit of God upon our lives and upon the church. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit. Oil in the Bible typically has to do with the Holy Spirit, being anointed in a special way with God's Spirit. So my prayer for you as a person, as a family, as a church, is that you would have the anointing and the touch of God on your life. I've heard preachers who were great orators could speak without even using notes and were great preachers, speakers, but it seemed they did not have the anointing of God on their life, some of them. I've heard other men preach who lacked education, who were not nearly as good an orator, who were not nearly as gifted in speaking, but they had the anointing of God on their life. So my prayer for you as a church, for you as an individual, is that you would learn to walk in the Spirit, that you'd be filled with God's Spirit, that you'd be motivated by God's Spirit, that you would dip your foot in oil. I think that's exactly what Moses is implying and what the message for you and me is, that we be motivated, directed, controlled, empowered by God's Spirit. That we have God's breath, God's anointing on us. 
fellow growing where I was growing up, I heard this story. Maybe you've heard it as well. The older guy was praying for a young preacher who had just been called to preach. And the older guy, every time he prayed for this young preacher boy, he'd say, God, give him unction. God, give him unction. Finally, the young preacher boy went to the old fellow. He said, thank you for praying for me, but I want to ask you a question. He said, every time you pray, I know you pray for God's unction. He said, exactly what is that? And the old fellow kind of scratched his head for a minute. He said, well, he said, I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you when you don't have it. <laughs> God's anointing. It's hard to define what it is, but you know when someone doesn't have it. Would you pray that God would just move in such a way in your church that you would have just the anointing of God, the unction of God upon the ministry of First Baptist Church. It would make an impact in this town. It would make an impact in this county. It would make an impact in this state and in our world just to be anointed afresh and anew. So he says, I'm praying that you would dip your foot in oil. Then look at something else he said in those verses. Um, verse 25. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. Now, I've worn uncomfortable shoes before. Maybe you have. But I can't imagine anything as uncomfortable as an iron or brass shoe. It just seems to me that would be awfully uncomfortable. Dutch people used to wear wooden shoes, and I never could quite understand that. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't give. That seems to me to be very uncomfortable. How could it be that they could walk or get along uh, with hard shoes that are uncomfortable? I can tell you this, when your feet hurt, you hurt all over. I mean, just a corn on your foot, on your toe, or a sore on your toe. Uh, I had surgery on my foot several years ago, and uh, when I first went back to office or when I'd be in church, People come around, I kind of hide my foot. I sure didn't want anybody to step on my sore foot. That would just have been unbearable, it seemed to me. So Moses is saying to Asher, I want you to dip your foot in oil, and I want you to have hard shoes, oily feet and hard shoes. And he said to him, one of the reasons is, and he said the same thing to Joshua, he said, the reason I want you to have oily feet and brass or hard shoes is because you're going to be walking someplace where you've never been before and you're going to be walking on some rocky soil you'll be walking on some hard ground you'll be walking in some difficult places so I don't want you to be bothered by having uh, stone bruises or thorns or splinters I want you to be protected from the rocky hard places you have to walk in the days to come now as a church my prayer for you is, first, that you be filled with the Spirit of God, that you oil it, your feet are oiled with the Spirit of God, that you have on hard shoes because you've got some, uh, I don't say this to discourage you, but you've got some difficult days ahead. Finding a pastor, getting a search committee first, getting an interim, then finding a pastor, and, and charting a new course for the next generation. Uh, some rocky places maybe you haven't been before. You will encounter some things that you haven't encountered before. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do. 
but not everybody who calls himself a Southern Baptist preacher preaches the truth as I understand it, probably as you understand it. See, I believe the Bible is inspired and errant word of God, and there are those who don't believe the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God. You have to be aware of that so that you don't, as I talked about Sunday, so that you don't call the wrong guy. You need to understand um, about that. And you'll understand this as you go into the next generation, into the next decade of ministry, you will face things as a church that you've never faced before. Society is so different now. You'll have to deal with some issues that you haven't dealt with before. You'll have to face some things that would be, that you would never, if you were writing the script for the next 10 years of your church, you would not include some of those things, but you'll have to deal with it. Uh, one of the past, one, a pastor in our association, this was maybe a year ago, called the office. He said, I want to do a background check on everybody. This is small church. He's bivocational. He said, we want to do a background church on everybody in the church. I thought, that's unusual. I mean, if you have children workers or youth workers or calling the pastor, then he said, no, I want to do everybody. He said, the church has consented. So 40 or 50 things they submitted us to do the background check. And so when they came back, one kind of was flagged. At least I looked, and I saw the pastor. I said, Pastor, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but this, this guy, Donna, this person, Donna, used to be David. He said, okay. And he said, thank you. Now, what I took from that is he kind of suspected that. <laughs> couldn't single that person out but he had he, so he did everybody so I, I said all I can tell you I don't know all I can tell you is the social security number that this person presented belongs to a male a biological male but the church knew that person as female you'll have to deal with some of those issues you'll have to deal with some things that you never thought you would so you need to have your feet oiled you need to have on some rocky shoes so that those things don't throw you and you can step on stuff and go right over it and it doesn't trip you up. Well, let's look at one other thing. and uh, I'll, I don't know how long you usually go on Wednesday night, so I don't want to overspend my time here. But let's look at one other thing. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. So Asher, he's saying, I'm praying that as you live, however long you live, that you'll have strength to do whatever you need. To, and, and it's a promise that as thy days, so shall your strength be. So here's what I say to you as a church. I don't know what is ahead for you. I don't know what's ahead for me. There's some good times or maybe some rocky times. But here's what I do know. As the day, so shall your strength be. God will not leave you nor forsake you. He will be faithful to you. He will provide whatever you need, the wisdom, the direction, the insight. He will provide all of that. So as thy day, so shall thy strength be. So whatever you face as a person, as a family, whatever you face as a church, don't despair, don't get discouraged because God will be faithful to you during those days. You will not be overwhelmed. You will not be rolled over. You will not be so to the point that you just cannot stand.
So, hard shoes and oily feet. Asher is one of those guys I like to read about because I can relate to what Moses said about him. Now, if you were making, writing the script for your church for the next 10 years, I wonder what would you include in that? Well, if you were, if you could write what you want to see happen at First Baptist Church over the next 10 years, be thinking about that, and we'll talk about this at another time. What would you want to include in there? If you could just sort of pinpoint, bullet point, what you would like to see in the next 10 years, let's well, just back in the next five years. If you would just do that for the next five years, what would that look like? Who knows what's going to happen in the next five years? The Lord, I believe, will come maybe even before then. Very well could. But in case he doesn't, we can't just sit down and wait. We have to plan to be faithful to him until he does come. Hard shoes and oily feet. Well, we'll look at some more of these as the Lord permits on Wednesday night. I'll be with you through the month of July. And we'll look at some more of these kinds of things. I wondered, I've rattled on here for 40 minutes. What if you have a thought, question, comment, observation? Anybody? All right, thank you. How long do you normally go on Wednesday night? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of right in the ballpark then. Okay, all right. Um, Lord willing, next time I'm going to give out some handouts. What I usually do on Wednesday nights, hand out some handouts so you can kind of follow along with me. And I'll bring those with me next time and it'll be easier for you to follow along. It'll also give you some notes to keep, to put together. I did this on Wednesday night for 16 years. And when I was, had resigned from that church to become a director of missions, one of the people brought it. He had two big notebooks of notes that he had collected over about 16 years. And he said, you know what, he said, I realized, he said, I've got a Bible commentary because we dealt with every book of the Bible, crucial topics. He said, so, he said, this is valuable to me because it's like a commentary that I've collected over 16 years. Now, I won't be here 16 years, but I will be here a few weeks. So I want to give you some things that will help you in the days to come. All right, let's close with prayer, and then you will be dismissed. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to be together. Thank you for the sweet spirit of God that fills this place. Lord, my prayer for this church, for this congregation, is similar to what Moses prayed for Asher. May your anointing, your blessings, your strength abide upon this sweet family of people. Guide them, lead them, strengthen them that their best days would still be ahead. That many would come to faith in Christ through the ministry of First Baptist Church. Lord, bring us back this coming Lord's Day with our hearts and minds open to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.